All right, so where were we? We were, we were, we were dealing with Esther. Esther has finally come to the king. Yeah, it's, it's always something interesting. So Esther finally brings up her courage and what she does. Good, good. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, Esther finally came to the king, worked up her courage. Despite the fact of what it could cost her to go to the king, she knew that if the king was unhappy with her, she could lose her life. But she goes to the king anyway and uh, asks him for a feast, invites Haman, and she has one feast. We're waiting for a second. She has one feast, and she gathers them together. I don't know why. I'm trying to figure this out. But what it does is it fills Haman with confidence that he is the most loved of all of the king's servants. And so he goes home and he brags. Now, thankfully, we are much more humble than Haman might be, right? Haman goes back and he says, you know, look how highly the king thinks of me. Look how highly even Queen Esther thinks of me. I can ask for anything I want. And we remember how enraged he was by Mordecai. And so Haman, this man of extremes, prepares a 75-foot-tall pole. Think about that. Seven stories. Seven stories. How tall is uh, 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 are the towers downtown in the woodlands? The but regardless, ridiculously large, uh, on which to impale Haman. Uh, uh, again, uh, a, a public murder, a lynching for Haman or for Mordecai that he has arranged. And when the king asks him, "What should I do for someone that I want to honor?" For Haman, the answer is clear. That's me. That's me. I'm the greatest. I'm the one who's the most loved. I'm the one that the king needs as an advisor the most. What God does in this story next is turns everything upside down. In fact, if you start... In Genesis, with that story that begins in Genesis and goes into Exodus, and you go all the way to the book of Revelation, from A to Z in our Bibles, again and again, what God does in the book of Esther is what God promises to do again and again and again. God turns all of our expectations entirely upside down. Now, we all know that the Cubs won a World Series a couple of years ago, and, and it was an amazing thing, and it was a surprising thing, and we rejoiced because, right, like that's not a thing that normally happens. Can you imagine a world where the Cubs won the World Series every year and people hated the Cubs like they hate the Yankees because you can't compete with the Cubs? That's not the world we live in the opposite of the world that we live in that in a nutshell is what God is about 
God is about turning all of our expectations and the way our world operates entirely on their heads. We hear this in the Magnificat, that beautiful song that Mary sings when she finds out that she is going to bear God's own son. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because God has lifted up the lowly and cast the mighty down from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty-handed. It's an inversion of the way our world operates. And we say, that's great. And the fact is, it's great. It's wonderful news. It's great news if you're on the bottom of the way that the world operates today. If you're a Mordecai, you are happy that God turns the world upside down. If you are hungry, you are happy that God sends the world upside down. But the Hamans of the world, those of us we're doing pretty well for ourselves. Who can, any time we decide that we're hungry, go to the pantry and look at what amounts to probably three weeks' worth of food and say, there's nothing to eat in this house. Who can go to the grocery store because we have plenty of food in the house but not the one thing that we want and buy whatever we need and know that we have enough to do that. Filling the hungry with good things and sending the rich away empty-handed sounds like less good news. But that's what God does. God turns the world upside down. Makes beautiful things out of dust. Says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn. Remember, that's what Mordecai is doing, right? Mordecai is sitting in the gate to the king's palace covered in ashes. Ash Wednesday times 1,000. Mourning because of the things that are going to happen, the violence that is going to happen to his people. And Jesus says, blessed, happy, fortunate are those who mourn. Man, that's great news if you're mourning. That's fantastic news if you're filled with grief and sorrow, anxiety, depression, worry. If we skate through life confident that things are going to go our way because they always somehow do. That things are going to go our way because things just happen to break my way and man, aren't I blessed. That's when God says we need to start paying attention. That's when God says we need to start to worry a bit. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with having material good. There were plenty of people who followed Jesus who did. The women, as we heard, who funded his ministry. Joseph of Arimathea, who funded his grave. But what we do with it and how we think about it. 
what we do with the privilege that we have and how that we think about it. What we do with the great things that happen in our lives, the abilities that we have in our lives to have what we need when we need it, and how we think about those things and those who do not have those things matters. Left are the hungry and the thirsty, those who mourn and the meek and humble, says Jesus. Mordecai is sure that everything is going to break his way. And the scene that happens here at the end of chapter 6 is, I mean, hilarious if we're paying attention. I think sometimes we forget that Scripture is funny, right? So the king says to Mordecai, what should I do for somebody that I love and want to honor? And Mordecai lists all these great things because he's sure that it's going to happen to him. And instead, the reward that Mordecai just created, the reward that Mordecai had the imagination to think up because he thought he deserved it. Haman, I do this every time I read and preach on Esther, is I switch these two names. <laughs> Haman. Everything Haman wanted. The reward that Haman had thought of. Thank you. No, thank you. The reward that Haman had thought of. He has to go out and he has to give to Mordecai. Think of what it is we think that we deserve. The nice house we live in. The nice job we have. The family that loves us. The benefits that we get at the end of the year when we fill out our tax forms and we take our deductions. Huh. That car we drive, or maybe the new car that we're looking at. All that that you've worked hard, fight, hard for. Haman had worked hard for what he had. And he had to give it all away. Imagine being called to give it all away, and not just to give it away, but to give it away to the people that you despise, the people that you are sure are not worthy of it, the people you are sure that God and the world ought to be angry at. Those people. Them. story of Esther, especially right here, chapters 5 and 6, is an amazing reversal. The hungry being filled with good things and the rich being sent away empty-handed. The lowly being lifted up and the mighty being ripped down from their thrones. Those who were mourning and ashamed being honored, while those who were preparing to be honored are sent away in shame. It ought to give us pause. 
and ought to cause us to think about the gifts that we have and how we think about the people that we don't think deserve them because God is in the business of turning the world upside down. Jesus says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And if you go to a party, don't sit as high up as you should be in case you get sent down lower. Instead, sit in the lowly position and be invited up. Humility is the key to the kingdom. Humility is the key to the kingdom of God. The ability to be sure that everything I have is a gift from God and not what I deserve. The ability to be sure that God blesses and cares for the people that I might not love. Humility is the key to the kingdom and pride is our downfall. Humility, that ability to move ourselves out of the center of the story and think of others more and more often than we think of ourselves. That ability to put ourselves in the shoes of others. Humility is the key to the kingdom. Humility is what Haman lacked and Mordecai had. We're going to come back next week and we're going to conclude this story. And we're going to continue these sorts of amazing reversals that we experienced this morning as we continue to encounter the God who turns the world upside down. Hey there, this is Pastor David. I wanted to take just a moment and thank you for listening to the sermons uh, from Spirit of Joy. Thank you for subscribing and listening to our sermon podcast. I want to ask you a favor as well. If you enjoy these sermons, I'd ask that you share them with your friends, that you take a moment and um, subscribe, but also uh, leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes people easier to find these sermons for themselves. Again, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week as we conclude uh, this story of Esther.